Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got so confident. In this episode, I Skype with rodeo queen Judea Kirsch. We chat about finding your purpose, setting boundaries, and never allowing anyone to mute your voice. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Judea Kirsch. Hey, Judea. Hey, how are you? Good. How's it going? Good. Uh, Doing good. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I discovered you on TikTok. um, (laughs) And then I was like, okay, this girl's like rad as hell. So then I started going through your videos and I was like, okay, I was right. She's super rad. And I was like, she would be the perfect person to interview for this podcast. And I reached out to you and you were like, hell yeah, let's do it. Yes, yes. And I've been so excited to talk to you. Um, Mm -hmm. Your blog is called The Classy Black Cowgirl. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I love that. Is this blog new new for you or is it something you're working on? Well, it's new because I've been working, like I have been working on it, but it is new. I didn't get it going until like April. And then at first I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I've been trying to get more blog posts as things have been rolling in for me. So I've been posting a lot more lately. I've did two posts this month, but I want to get to a point where I'm doing at least four to five posts a month, but it is new. That's so exciting. Um, (laughs) And you are the first black rodeo queen in Arkansas. Is that right? Yes, yes. I am the first black rodeo queen that's been crowned in the state of Arkansas. And I've actually been looking for other like black rodeo queens. I found one. So I was crowned in 2017. And then there was another young lady that was crowned in 2018. But I haven't, I haven't found too many more um, young ladies that are in the rodeo queen world that are black. How does, how does that make you feel? I mean, that's uh, Um, super fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, I would say, um, I feel like for me, it was really, I wanted, you know, it's being a rodeo queen is something that I'd wanted to do since I was a little girl. And I've always looked up to the young girls that were in the rodeo world. And I just didn't know how to get into it. So it's like, not even that I didn't know how to get into it. It's just I didn't ever see anybody that looked like me with the rodeo queen with the crown on their hat. So for me, it was more of a, it it hurts, of course, whenever you, like, you look at it and you're like, I don't know if I can do this because, you know, I'm black. But at the same time, it was more of a, I'm going to stand up and show them that, you know, we can do this too. Because, you know, we're limitless, you know, we're boundless, you know, we yeah. can do whatever we set our minds to. And I think that's been my biggest, like, message through everything. Because I did, at one point, I did quit and I let a lot of the racist comments that I dealt with get to me and I, and I was done. And then there was, you know, there was an opportunity that had come to me where, um, with, with, um, essence magazine, I'm not sure if you're, you yeah. know who they are, but so, um, and they'd asked to talk to me and, and it really just getting that like, um, recognition from them and them wanting to meet me to be on their TV series coming out. It really showed me like, you stepped out and did something that was so different and then you let the criticism from people that, you know, aren't even comfortable with themselves destroy that for you. And and that was and after that interview, like just talking about what I went through and 
realizing how strong I was to even have gone through that, I was like, did you really go through all of that just to be done with it? Mm -hmm. Or, or, and, and for me, I felt like it was always something so much deeper than me just quitting because of someone else's opinion. Mm -hmm. Break it down for someone who knows nothing about uh, uh, rodeos. Explain mm -hmm. what a rodeo queen is. Okay, so like as a rodeo queen, I represent an organization that is so much bigger than myself. Um, I won my first queen title in 2017, and um, I was Miss Rodeo Cole Hill, Arkansas. And as a rodeo queen, um, I attend the rodeos. I you do a queen run, but you're a rep like you represent that organization. And for me, as a rodeo queen, my my purpose and my message, what I think it is behind what rodeo women of, of rodeo do especially rodeo queens is influence young the young the youth like mm -hmm. younger kids and especially for me i want to influence young women of all ethnicities to come in and and be a rodeo queen but what goes into that is a pageant and um, i have a pageant coming up actually in august august 6th and 7th in salisaw oklahoma um, so I have a pageant, um, and it's just, it's like a beauty pageant, except with horses, um, and we have a horsemanship, and that's, you know, normally 40 to 60% of the entire pageant is, is horsemanship, because you will be at rodeos, you will run, and you want to, and, and it shows the judges that, that you're a cowgirl that knows what you're doing. Wait, um, what's horsemanship? The, horsemanship, so before the, before, okay, so some pageants, and once you get more on a state level, you, you normally don't, but I'm still, I'm still not old enough to compete at a state level. So like the, the pageant that I'm preparing for Miss Rodeo, Salad Saw, um, I've already seen my pattern. So we get a pattern um, and we do, there's some figure eights in it and um, trots, loping, cantering. Okay, okay. Um, and these are all different things that you, different ways to ride your horse. And we do them at different speeds, just showing the, um, it's, it's showing the judges that you know what you're doing and, and you, that's part of your competition. Um, okay. and you know, of course the, they take the best overall horsemanship and that you, you get points and that is, is part of you winning okay. is, is being a good horsemanship. Okay. And then we have, you know, our pageant, our speeches, we give speeches. And another big thing as far as rodeo queen pageants that is different from any other pageants is our Western elegance is leather. Like we wear a lot of leather. I saw your photos on Instagram of like mm -hmm. you and your, what, what do you, I don't want to say outfit. Cause it's not, it's like a, mm -hmm. it's like a, I don't know what to call it. Um, like, okay. Like my, again, it, it would be an outfit. Like it's, it's your like wardrobe. Yeah. It's my like my wardrobe. Yeah. yeah, yeah my yeah. Western wardrobe. It's, it's so <laughs> cool. And I'm like, I want to try that on. Yes. It looks yes. so mm -hmm. badass. Well, maybe one day we can get together and like, Make you oh my god, I would <laughs> I would love yes. that. I would I would die. Yes. Okay, sorry, I interrupted you because I wanted to say no. how awesome those outfits are. But okay, <laughs> Thank continue. You know, you're completely okay. Um, but so we we have um yes, our wardrobe is a big deal, um, as far as and our hair, except for horsemanship, we put our hair in the back and a and a little ponytail with pearls, but it's just it's all about, you know, sh being a woman that has class and, and representing, you know, for me, it's representing something bigger than myself mm. because I, I stand as one. I quote Maya Angelou because I love her, but I, I, you know, I stand as one, but I speak for so many other women, especially women that look like me and maybe have never 
putting themselves in the position to be a rodeo queen because there's, you know, there's just not a lot of black women that are rodeo queens. There's a lot of black women in rodeo, black men too. The rodeo, our rodeo world, I would say it's diverse. Mm -hmm. I would say, honestly, I can say it lacks, I feel like, Okay, that's a different topic that I could get into. So please I won't take even tan- go like go on tangents. Like that's what this podcast yeah. is all about. Okay. So please do, okay. especially this is just so interesting, and I love this world. So please go on as, as many tangents as you wish. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, um, there and and <clears throat> and whenever I I speak on this, I'm, I I do get criticized. So I'm always like very hesitant of what I say, just because sure. I don't want to make myself look bad or forfeit myself from anything that's to come. And that's really hard too, because like you should be able to have these opinions and have these views, especially on issues of race or Mm -hmm. of, uh, Mm -hmm. of, of non-inclusion, you know, you should be able to speak Mm -hmm. out against that or Mm -hmm. have your opinion. So that's also, Mm -hmm. I'll say it, that's a bummer that you can't, like verbalize what you want to verbalize all the time too and it's you know it's and for me it's more of always being careful and cautious that I don't step on someone's toes because I feel like the biggest thing for me is it's it that hurts me because it does it affects me directly um is that I could say something that affects me because it affects me because of the way it was said or how it was approached and because someone that doesn't look like me won't interpret that comment Mm. or what was said the same way I won't, I could forfeit myself from opportunities to come because I was affected by something that didn't affect someone else, but me speaking up about it affected you, you know, it's just, and 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 it sucks and, but it's part of it. And it's part of breaking the boundaries and at least just creating the path for there to be other women that can, and I will always use my voice. I won't be muted, but I'll, I, it, it does scare me because it's like, there wasn't another black woman that I could look up to that, you know, fought her way into right. the rodeo world. And, you know, it's kind of trying to make it happen for herself. It's just, I wish I had that, but it's just me. And I do have a great team around me, but it's also like, I'll go to them and I'll be like, Okay, like as far as like the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. that's something that I'm very like I I'm very that's very sensitive to me because mm-hmm. I have black brothers and sisters and I'm a black woman myself and you know my family's black so it's just like of course I I have an opinion about it and it, and it doesn't probably match you know the next person's opinion about it and. You know, it's, I don't know, I don't, you know, I know how to explain it, but it's always like, it's just, it's hard to explain, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> especially, and it's always hard to explain how it affects you to someone that isn't the same color as you, because they will never really understand what it's like. You literally have to be black. Yeah. And sometimes in situations I, I have to explain it like that. And it's just like, but as far as rodeo, when it comes to black cowboys and cowgirls, if you notice, a lot of cowboys, they do timed events. Um, and, and I listened to um, a cowboy that I follow, and, and I really look up to him. And he said in an interview, he said, um, he said, I do timed events. I do timed events because I'm judged by a clock and not a person. Mm. And, and, it, and, and it's like, 
it, that's such a thing for me because it's like, it's always scary if I go into this room and I, I sit down and I say something that might offend them because of my skin color, I feel this way because I'm, I'm more diverse in other ways because I've had to be black in America my whole life. And it's, and it's like things like that, like that are a big deal. And it, so it's like, we talk about diversity in rodeo and it's like, sometimes I get tired of talking about diversity because I want to talk about the equity. I want to know that I'm working just as hard as this, the girl next to me and I'm going to be judged the same way mm. and not, and nothing will be taken away from me because I'm a black woman, mm. you know? Yeah. It's like, it, you know, and, and it's t- for other cowboys to recognize it. It doesn't make me ever feel alone in it because there's a reason more black cowboys do timed events and it's not a secret, you know? That's so interesting because, you know, <laughs> as someone who, uh, well, one is a white woman and two, I know nothing about rodeo. I didn't even, I didn't even think about like timed events and why, uh, black men and women would want to participate in, in those, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. um, and like you, you were speaking of being like not having anyone to, who has done this before you to talk to, to like get guidance from it. Mm -hmm. It seems like hopefully like you can be that person for the younger for generation the next, yes. you know yes. what I mean because mentorship is yeah like mentorship is so important I mean yes. so is you know seeing yourself reflected in the craft and the the thing that you're doing that's also really important but also mentorship and being able to like have that connection with someone who knows what they're talking about or that can give you advice and you're like the pioneer of, of this because you don't have someone that you can talk to, which I can imagine is like very difficult, especially. It's overwhelming. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially with um, having to like watch what you say, but still wanting to say something and not yes. having sort of like a model for that in front of you to know like where those limits are. Um, that That sounds like really difficult. Um, and I'll say the least as far as in the, the rodeo queen world, like I said, I do have a, a very great support team of people around me and I love them, but I can even give like, for example, I asked for, for example, for me, my hair, I, I, I have to wear extensions because my hair doesn't grow like white girl's hair mm-hmm. and where, you know, wings are a part of your what's wardrobe. A, what's a wing? Oh, um, um. The wings yeah. or a wig? No, wings. The wings. Wings. Okay, so in my pictures I sent you, yeah. they curl out a little bit. So it's the way you tease your hair outward. Okay. What, the way your hat. I'll send you a picture of this. I'm going to look um, at it right now so I know yes, what you're talking about. If you about. get on Pinterest and you look up Rodeo Queen wigs. I mean, wigs, not wigs. Wings. Wings, wings, wings. wings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'm looking at your pictures right now. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's the wings. It's the way the hair goes outward from the ear. And you're judged by that? Um, It's part of it's the part wardrobe. Of it. It's okay. always been, it's been part of the Western rodeo queen tradition forever is you rodeo queens wear wings. Of course, the hairstyles have changed over time, but wings have always really been around oh I see now okay okay Mm -hmm. so for me um my hair I have natural kinky afro puff hair Mm -hmm. I don't have hair that I can tease every day and and that's my my biggest like uh, like I, I don't know if I could wear my natural hair because 
my natural hair is so much different than the natural hair that I've ever seen in a rodeo, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's just, it's, it's like, of course, I don't mind. That's part of it. That's part of what I do. So I'm going to dress the part, but it's sometimes I would love to wear like my natural hair because I don't see anything wrong with it, but it's always like, it's those, can I do that? And so it it leads to me asking another, a a woman that helps me and I love her and she's very, very good to me. And she's helped me so much, even just stepping back into the rodeo queen world. Um, And I asked, and I asked her questions and she told me, she told me this morning she was I was asking her a question and she said Judea I don't know what to tell you because you know I've never coached a black girl I I don't know what to I don't know if that would be stepping on someone's toes you know she's like because no one's ever been in this position before and then another example again and it's all love I never speak out of hate I don't have any I I always try to be as positive as I can and speaking on these things are so sensitive Mm -hmm. so um and you never know who's gonna listen but I say that to say this there was another woman and she's been in rodeo her whole life and I asked her while we were on a um a a video call and I asked her I was like how do I speak up about Black Lives Matter and the social injustices going on and police brutality without stepping on people's toes in rodeo, without, you know, making it to where I look like I'm stirring up problems or causing problems. And her response to me was, for me, no response at all. She said, rodeo is very diverse. And I was like, that's like not what I asked you. I asked you, how do I speak up about these things as a rodeo queen, as a black rodeo Mm -hmm. queen, and not step on the toes of people that will judge me, you know, your reputation, your, you know, is everything in the rodeo queen world. And it, you know, so it's like, how do I respectfully speak on things that affect me directly? And, you know, then she, she, you know, she went on to name me a couple black cowboys that were in the rodeo world. And that was not my question because I'm just as familiar with the black right. cowboys in the rodeo world as you are. So I, I did, I, I went on my own and and um I went to some former title holders that held the title that I'm is is the gold title for every rodeo queen. I went to titles that of, of state pageant queens. I I went and I, I asked them, you know, and understand this was very personal to me because I never know how I'm gonna be how someone's gonna react to me coming to them. But I went to more than I'll say more than twelve girls because she, you know, I, I, I had to, I had a question that I had to ask and, you know, cause she told me how diverse the rodeo queen world was. And so I went to them and I asked them, when was the first, when was the last time you had a black judge at one of your rodeo queen pageants? And all of them told me they'd never had a black judge at their rodeo queen pageants. So I had to go message her. And I said, you told me ro- the rodeo queen world is so diverse. And then, you know, what's, you know, that made no sense to me. That's what I meant. How do I step into a world, a, a world that, you know, isn't used to someone my color and not step on their toes? And I still don't know. I still don't have the answer, you know? it's So it's, it's me creating my own way and hoping, just hoping, like, I don't do anything that would be considered wrong in the eyes of someone that could forfeit my dream. Yeah, and that is so 
hard for me to wrap my brain around is like why speaking up about the Black Lives Matter movement and the social injustices that are in this country, why that is considered stepping on people's toes when it's, 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 we're talking about human lives here that are at stake. And that should not be, that should not in any industry equate to stepping on anyone's toes. So when you speak on that, I'm just like, it blows my mind. Right. And for me, it's not that anyone has ever come directly and said, well, no, it's not that either. I can't even say that. I have. I've been approached by more than one person. Hey, always watch what you say. And it's never been before I started speaking up about Black Lives Matter, but it's watch what you say because you don't, because you look at what you're, you're going towards. And I, I literally had someone tell me, you're either going to open doors for yourself or you're going to close doors for yourself. So watch what you say on social media. But it's like, a black man getting killed by a police officer on camera just hasn't gotten normal for me. So I don't know how to not speak up about it. Totally. You know, it's like everything going on in the world. It's just not normal to me because I could be that next black woman that gets pulled over by the police for no reason and gets killed for no other reason, except for the fact that I'm, I was black. And then will it, and I always wonder, will it be the same? Oh, she should, she should have just listened to them, you know, cause I'm not the type to even get out of character mm-hmm. with anyone. So it, it's, it is where it's like, you want me to not speak up about this, but then it's those same people that are in the rodeo world where you won't, you don't speak up about the injustices and the police brutality, but I see you reposting the riots and the looting that is going mm. on. And while I don't support violence at all, I don't support violence at all. I also don't understand why you, it, you want to turn a blind eye to what's going the reasons for the things going on in the world but you don't speak up about the injustices towards black people and and it always gets me in a way of how can you support me if you don't support this movement because I am black and and you can't treat me like I'm the token because I'm pretty and I know how to ride a horse you know it's it's and, and I've heard I'm speaking on these things because these are things that I've heard like no it's it's not that's just not how it works and you know, and it's so hard for me because you know how, how, like, often I just want to be like, you know, uh, I just, I want to speak up and I'm, I don't yes. care what anyone is going to say about it, you know, but then at the same time, I want to open doors too. And it's like, dang, I can't do both. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard. Well, then it, then it takes people, and correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, I'm not in the rodeo world and I don't, obviously don't have any answers because I'm speaking f- from someone who doesn't know, but it takes white allies, in my mm-hmm. opinion, it takes white allies in the rodeo community to be the ones mm-hmm. to stand up because mm-hmm. if you, it sounds like if you stand up, you're yes. risking your uh, livelihood, your future yes. in this world. But if a white person stood up and said the same things, they wouldn't face the same kind of backlash. Am I wording that correctly? Yes. I mean, I, and I understand that fully because it is looked at differently because I don't ever want to be labeled as the mad black woman. Which in is any also situation. fucked up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's just... It's a lot. I mean, but through it all, like I, like I said, I quit rodeo. It took, it took me a lot of learning to love myself because Mm. it's the same arena that I, I walk my horse in and get on the back of my horse and ride in is the same arena that's 
you know, stole my joy because of the, well, and I can't even say it was the arena of the people. It's like I, I lost everything that I loved in, that, in, a, in an arena. And then, so for me, sometimes it is tra- traumatic. Like preparing for this rodeo is going to be one of my first rodeos back in the game. So it's like, it's traumatizing because I know everything that I went through just being a part of rodeo the first time. And it was, things were not, you know, it wasn't the world, the rodeo world wasn't nice to me. Mm. Um, and, and I can't just say all of them, there was a, you know, but there was people, there was more than a handful of people and there was more than a handful of incidents for me to be timid about going back, you know, but it's something that I love. Yeah. When you, uh, took a leave of absence from the rodeo world, um, was it because of like a certain event that happened or was it just like a accumulation of a bunch of things that had happened? Like a bunch of things that had happened. Like I say what really threw me, I was um, on a drill team and there was a fam, there was a couple families that had been racist to me throughout the whole year. But there was just one thing that really drew the line for me is one of the, you know, and we were a drill team of 19 girls and we were considered sisters and one of my sister's brothers, her, um, he, he took, I'd forgot my helmet at practice. Um, and we were in an indoor arena, but we always practiced with helmets on. And the owner of the arena, he offered me his construction hat and it was a hard hat. So I was like, yeah, of course, you know, I don't mind wearing that, whatever. And he took a picture of me and posted it on his Snapchat and said that I looked like a Negro Bob the Builder. And so I was, that was it. I was like, I'm done. Like everything that I'd went through like that, everything that I went through that broke me and it it really did it it made me lose sight of who I was and everything that I wanted to be I didn't care anymore so it was a lot of situations that wasn't the first time that he'd said something to me that was of that matter so it was just difficult and then what did you do because that is very traumatic um what did you do to to overcome, I don't want to say overcome. I, what did you do to get back into the rodeo world? So you that that along with other things caused you to take a step back. And then mm-hmm. what made you decide to go back to this thing? Um. So there's the old saying, you know, if you love something, let it go, and if it comes back to you, you know, it's meant for you. It's probably worded a little bit. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So. For me, I let it go and like missed it forever. <laughs> like it was never something that I wanted to get rid of, but it took, it took me, t- I, I needed time to heal from everything I went through. And so once I healed, I, I didn't want to make any decisions, which I did make impulse decisions, quitting off of emotions mm-hmm. because it's like, I, and it's never like, I don't know. Let me, let me think how to say this. Like, it's just. Not even that I was ever, I'll look at pictures of girls that are rodeo queening and it's like, dang, like you can do that. Like that's, and I've looked at pictures and said like, Jade, that's supposed to be you. And you let like just someone take that from you because of the things that they say. But at the same time, when I was, I was 16, when I went through, you know, that was my first time ever going through anything with someone being discriminated towards me because of the color of my skin. But it was so much more, like, whoa, when it really happens to you, like you, it is something different to be judged by the color of your skin. When, and it's, and it, so for me, it, it affected me so differently. So when I left it, 
I didn't care about nothing no more. But it's the reason that I even started riding horses that will always pull me back. Like I have a hoof print on my heart. I was I was <laughs> into horses. I was into horses before there was before I knew what a rodeo was. So it'll you know, someone's opinion of me or my skin color will never pull me away again. But I had to be, I had to go, I never, I never regret anything that I go through. I'm so thankful that I went through that because they, those girls built me into somebody that I've never seen coming. Mm. I can't even say I've never seen coming, but like they helped me so much. They hurt me so bad that they helped me so much. Oh, that's powerful. I got you goosebumps. Know? Uh, they helped me so much. I, I literally, I, I even requested to follow them on Instagram. Wow. I want to keep up with them. I want to, I, and, and it might sound dumb, but like you guys were the milestone I needed in my life to really come out kicking when I get back in. And I'm going to be honest, I'm kicking. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm kicking every door down that, that was set in front of me and I'm not going to stop. Oh I'm not. And it's like, I needed that break to understand who I was and what I meant to do. And I even, you know, tried some, tried something else out. Like I tried to get into more like, oh, I'm just going to do some acting. And I did some acting with Tyler Perry and I loved it, but I really don't like to hurry up and wait. I don't like the whole, like, <laughs> that is literally <laughs> the entire one. That was yeah. so like annoying. So I did two things with, with them. And then, like, even then, I'm like, I got to get me a horse. Like, I really, you know, so it was just, like, every everything that I could have did outside of going back to rodeo was just not it. And getting, going to buy my horse the other day, I went and bought me a brand new little pony. And she's just the perfect, <laughs> she's the perfect pony. And it's so it's just, like, even the smile I get talking about it, like, just the things that I know I can accomplish and that I know that there's, another young girl looking up to me that's gonna trailblaze through my footsteps so that's incredible um so after you left for a little bit um would you say like just changing your perspective was helpful for you to like regain the confidence that you needed to go back into the ring the ring is that right do I is that what I say (laughs) Or arena. 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 Ring. Ring. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind it at all. Um, the arena. So, yes, girl, change of perspective, okay. change of mind, change of heart, mm-hmm. change of perspective is the biggest thing, though. Like, I really had to take a step back and, like, not why am I going through this, but what is it teaching me? And it taught me mm. so much, you know. I, I will say, um, I'm, it was hard, like, I said I went through a lot, so it was hard for me, but changing the, you know, instead of having that distasteful, you know, feeling towards the things that I went through in my heart, I had to look at them more as blessings, and, and, Mm. and it takes a lot of forgiveness. It took me forgiving myself, because through the process I did, I lost myself, and when I quit riding horses, I don't know, I didn't know who I was. And it's like, that's the only time that I really feel like I know who I am is when I'm doing something that I know I should be doing and I should be doing rodeo. And like how incredible that is that you have found that thing that makes you feel like yourself. I mean, you're a young woman and you're just, you've just gone through so much to where you 
you just are you just are so strong like you just sound like such a strong person who's like spent a lot of time thinking about this and um it's so it's so interesting and wonderful to hear you speak on something that you love so much thank you thank um, you and it yeah it's a, it's an expensive hobby so I yeah. did I took a lot of time um thinking about it and you know when you really love it it's priceless to you yeah so that's how it's become for me like I'm I have to do it it's and a lot of things that I've done like I used to play football in high school I was a defensive end right tackle middle linebacker and for me it was always like I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I loved it though. Like I just really wanted to play football. I played every other sport, but it was like, for me, it was like, it was never about me. And that's whenever, what really hit me was when I played football in my hometown, there was five other little girls that joined little league teams that, the year after I played. So I was like, it was never about me. Wow. It's always been about the little girls that are looking up to me, like getting the Facebook messages from you know, their parents saying that their daughter wants to be like me like that. It's about that. It's, it's never been about me. It's just opening up. I, I just feel like I have the capability to open that door for the next little girl. And so I have to do it. Yeah. How did you get, speaking of like little girls, how did you get into, were you a young little, were you a little girl when you got into horses or how did you get into into horses I think I read on your blog you were experiencing some depression is that right Mm -hmm. so my my dad he's been in prison since I was five years old not just in the whole time he was he's been in and out so I'm 21 and the longest he's ever been out of prison is three years of my whole life Hmm. so he's actually on his way back to prison now they just offered him a habitual you know um a habitual offense offer so they're they're trying to give him life um so it's, it's been a it's and so his first time ever going to prison was when I was five years old um but when I was six years old I was I was with my grandma and um she was addicted to crack cocaine and alcohol and but I love the woman to death I still do <laughs> like that's my best friend yeah but um I went with her to her friend's house and my mom like never let us stay over at her house but I went with her um to a friend's house and um there was everyone went outside they went outside to do crack and I was sitting inside and there was a man inside there sitting with me and his name's I'm not even going to mention his name because he doesn't matter he never deserves the recognition um but whenever I was six years old I was sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. um and so I started going to counseling I went through like really bad depression and anxiety at that age and um so I started going to counseling and I went to counseling for a few months and it just wasn't helping I wasn't getting any better I had nightmares that he was going to come get me and things like that it was really a traumatic time for me but growing up I really did um I I I'm not ashamed it's not something that I grew to be ashamed of it was just something that became part of me and part of my story but um I went to counseling and I, I met this woman named Kathy and I was my counselor and um, my mom said, can you bring her to my house? And so my mom was for the next session and my mom was like, sure. She was like, I just want, I just wanted to try, I just wanted to ride horses or she, she just wanted me to try a horse or something. She's like, the in therapy sessions just weren't helping me. So she invited me to her house and I went to her house and, um, 
she looked because she told me she was like you're so young and you're trying to control everything that comes your way and she's like you you can't control things that are bigger than no it wasn't it wasn't the, the way she said it was she told me she was like um she said this is a 1500 pound animal she said if you can control this animal you can co- control anything that comes your way um and so she put me in the sat in, in the um saddle she helped me in the saddle and she put the reins to my freedoms and my to my freedom in my hands whenever she put me on the back of a horse and I, i've been riding ever since that's why wow. i say it's never what someone says that you know i hate that i let people what people said draw me away from rodeo because it's always like i said i have a hoof print on my heart it's so much more than a rodeo a queen title when it comes down to it if i was to lose everything like every queen title that I compete for, it was never about a queen title for me. You know, yeah. there, there's so much love for me. So wait, your counselor was the person who wanted you to ride on horses? Mm-hmm. That is so mm-hmm. great. Everything I do, I text her and I was like, I always send it to her pictures. I'm like, this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful for her. That's incredible. How has the the rodeo world and your love of horses how has that contributed to your confidence as a woman in this world whenever you can get on the back of a horse and confidently ride <laughs> like you can ride the hair off of a horse it gives you like that it's just a different type of freedom i feel like at first like not at first i am i'm an adrenaline junkie so i love to run i love to run my horses but for me it's the sitting up in a saddle and being pretty I love to be pretty and show other women that you can be confidently beautiful in in what you're doing and um another thing whenever you see a girl on a horse you do not ignore a woman on a horse (laughs) you you pay attention you pay attention to a girl on a horse and it was just for me they're powerful they're a powerful animal and I just I fell in love with them yeah do you feel like the confidence you feel riding a horse, does that translate into confidence in other areas of your life? Yes. Um, for me, the confidence that I have after riding a horse, and, and it does apply to my real life because it's that, like, stress relief for me. So oh, it's, yeah. like, everything, like, when I'm going through something, if, like – personally when I'm going through something or I'm having a bad day I'm, and I think about the next time I'm gonna ride that excites me and that's mm. it makes me feel like you know that breath of fresh air is coming you yeah. know and that's how riding has always felt like a, a breath of fresh air yeah that's like a relief you know horses are are what make me feel okay yeah can you recall like any time that you have felt like whether it's whether it's while you're writing or in your personal life where you feel like this is the most confident version of me, is it like while you're doing a pageant or is it like just when it's just you and your horse or is it when you're with your, your mom or your grandma, like when do you feel the most confident as a woman? In the arena. Okay. When I'm in the arena, when I'm showcasing my talent, it's, it's in the arena. It's, it's exciting. Like it's, like your horse is just as worked up in the alleyway as you are getting in there. So it's just that freedom, like, especially when I did the rodeo and um, the old Fort days rodeo in my hometown, 
I'm running my horses at probably, you know, 50 miles per hour faster. Whoa. And then I'm waving to people that I see in the crowd, like, hey. And they're like, Judea. Like, I love that. It's it's in the arena. Like, doing the best, you know, the best sport on dirt is rodeo. I love it. So it's when I'm doing my craft that I feel the most confident. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. In doing these interviews, I feel like, that's what a lot a lot of people feel the most confident when they're doing their craft and the thing that they mm-hmm. love and the, the thing that they've been working on and cultivating mm-hmm. for right. the, for a long period of time. Um, mm-hmm. Do you like? Do you still go to counseling, or is counts is riding the horse like your version of counseling? Um, no, I still. I love going to counseling. I go, I, I've gone I, every week for like the past six years. So you're talking yes, to a I, therapy queen yes. over here. Yes. I do not think there's anything wrong with going to talk to someone. I feel like we all need someone to talk to you. And that's what I get to go do with the counselor. No judgment. It's like my, my, you know, it's 45 minutes or 30 minutes, not too long, but it's just like being able to tell someone you know, all your problems and like, you know, you don't, they can't leave out of the room and talk about you. You're not worried about hearing your business. I, I, I mean, I'm counseling help. My counselor helped me find my purpose when I was six years old and I didn't even know it, you know? So what do you feel like your purpose is? I feel like my purpose is to empower women all, all across America, all over just whoever I can, I can reach and, and my story can help influence because it you know we we're doing this talk but not not like it's not I I mean where I'm going with that is we're talking about my life on the phone but it's so much deeper than what I've you know my life is so much more than just what we we can cover in this session so it's like if I can take any of my life experiences and help them influence another young woman that might be going through something similar or something worse and I'm it's like I said, you know, me being sexually assaulted at six is something that I could talk about with anyone because it's not something that I'm ashamed of. It's something that helped me be, I wouldn't be the woman I am if, you know, something that drastic didn't happen to me. I feel like everything in my life has happened for a reason and I'm strong in, in everything. I'm strong in who I am and I'm strong in everything that's happened to me. So I just find you- that so incredible because you know, not everybody feels like they can talk about being the survivor of sexual assault or, mm-hmm. or other things. I was in a domestically abusive relationship and it was mm-hmm. really hard for me to talk about that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the ease at which you're discussing these traumas, you mm-hmm. are, it, I can tell you really like worked on it and worked through mm-hmm. it and you're mm-hmm. able to, to vocalize it. And I still have, mm-hmm. I still am not at that at what it, it at the comfort level that you appear to be at mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. how did you get there is it just by and this is kind of me asking on a personal mm-hmm. level but no it's okay um how did you get to the point where you're like oh I'll talk about this trauma with anyone um how did you get there I feel like for me um again it, it's again sometimes I'll talk about this and cr- ball my eyes out right and okay. I can't even get the story out but other times I can be strong in it. It depends on, I will say, it depends on mentally where I'm at because there's days that I think about what I've gone through. And it took, I'll say I can talk about it so confidently now because 
a year ago, I forgave my dad for everything. Mm. Like everything that I ever went through, I used to blame myself and I blamed him. And I always told him that he should have been there for me mm-hmm. in my lowest times and times that, you know, he should have protected me. You know, he missed out on my whole life. So every, all of the parts that were important to me, he was never there. So for me, it was <clears throat> when I forgave him, that opened up like a new that helped me that was that was something that the hardest part of my chapter and I like I had I called him and I told him everything on my mind and I and that day forward I was I was at the lowest point in my life and or at least felt like it and that day forward I I told myself when I got on the phone with him wait he he was either going to be in my life from that day forward or I was never going to talk to him again and you know and I was so serious about it and He's been in my life every day since then, even though he's in prison. He's he's on his way to prison. He calls me. We talk. And um, we used to email before the coronavirus. It took their phones away. And, um, not the phones, the tablets and everything. But it took me forgiving my dad to even be comfortable in who I am or recognize what I'm supposed to be doing. And, like, just, like, the lack of and – it, and it took a lot, for like, for me, another – reason that I'm so able to talk about things that I've been through is because I want to be the woman that I crave to have growing up like that you know that every you know that person that if you need someone to talk to like if you're ever at the lowest point of your life that's why I share my story because it's like yeah I'm the first black rodeo queen in Arkansas and I'm doing these things but I'm also like a real person that's been through real life experiences and like I speak about them because I'm not ashamed of them. And, and so many people go through things alone and, um, mm-hmm. and they, they shouldn't, you know, you should never feel alone. So if I can use my real life experiences to show someone that, you know, even people that you think, you know, whatever you think of me, I go through stuff too. You know, totally. I'm not perfect. Nothing about my life is perfect at all. And, and I don't mind showing that because, and, and again, like, social media is is very dressed up and that's why I always try to I make my posts to let people know like it was it wasn't easy to become the woman I am because before I'm anything before I'm a title holder before I'm anything I'm Judea Kirsch I'm a strong black woman before I'm any any label or anything else you know yeah and it took because it took it took a lot of time and in blood sweat and tears to become who I am to to become the woman that I am yeah I when you're speaking of like forgiveness forgiving your your dad I relate to that because I'm kind of at that juncture with my dad of being like either you're in my life or you're completely out Mm -hmm. of my life and I have yet to have the sort of conversation that it sounds like you had with your dad um but I'm at that juncture where I have to like make that decision for myself. And so when you speak of that, I relate to that so much. Um, when, when you have the days where you're, cause you spoke a little bit, you're like, some days are different than others where I don't, you know, where I'm not, um, as confident on the days that you feel kind of low and down, what do you do to like make yourself feel better? Whether it's just like, Oh, I make myself a fucking cup of coffee or whatever you feel like 
you do to, to kind of give yourself, make yourself feel better? I'll go do my hair. I'll go do my makeup. I'll get dressed. Um, I try to do things that I love. I'll go ride a horse. Mm. That is one thing that will put me in a different mindset is riding because it's something that I, I love so much. But, and I also wanted to comment on what you said about you having those feelings um, um, towards your dad and yeah. everything like that. For me, it took a, like for me, it took, my dad has been gone forever. So like for me, in my opinion, it's been forever. My whole life, he missed out on, you know, my, my dad came to one of my, and these are, this is part of me forgiving him is my dad came to one of my football games when I did play in high school. And I was a seven, I was the first female to play in the 7A West Conference. So it was a big deal. I'm paying, I played with guys that are on division one teams now. So it was like, wow. anything could happen to me. And right. he came to, he, could, he came to one of my football games and he didn't even know I was on the field, you know? So it was like things like that, but it took me going through that, being alone, like not doing what I love, selling my horses, my horse trailers, my wardrobes, getting rid of everything. And for me, it took with my dad, with rodeo, with everything, it took me respecting myself Mm. and setting those boundaries for people to let you know how I will allow you to respect me or you won't at all. You know, you won't be in my life at all. For, For me, it took me literally like talking, you know, my dad grew up differently than me. So I always respect him differently because I know he grew up in different circumstances that someone else would, you know, someone else couldn't have ever went through. So it's, it's, I know he's bred different than I am, but you know, it's the, it's the, it's the, it took, you know, I'm, I tell him everything, you know, I'm a grown woman now. I had to tell him a lot, but for me, it took the respecting myself and showing other people that you're either going to respect me or you're not going to be around me. You know, if I don't talk to myself in a certain type of way, I'm not going to allow you to speak to me that way because so much was taken from me that I told myself I would never allow someone to make me feel low about myself. Um, And that just goes more into everything that I've been through. Like I said, we touched just the surface of my life in this, you know? So, How did you learn to set boundaries? Because like, for me growing up, that wasn't something that was taught to me. I did not, I didn't, that was not modeled for me by my parents. My dad wasn't around um, most of my life either. And, you know, I, I love my mom, but she didn't set the boundaries that she probably should have set. So I am now just learning like what boundaries are and how to set them. And I'm sure that's why mm-hmm. I was in an abusive relationship because I didn't know mm-hmm. how to set boundaries. And I wasn't, like you said, respecting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens. Like It happens to the best of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm just trying you know, to You know, you asked me. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? You asked me, how did I get through things and it's perspective change and even for what you, boundaries? that as far as boundaries for me, it was a perspective thing. My mom had me when she was 15 I grew up with her mm-hmm. you know she still tells me all the time I teach my mom so much like when I went to college my mom went to college you know so it's just like that's the kind of you know that's the kind of influence that I have so it's just like I'm the oldest of six I have five younger brothers and sisters that are looking up to me and mm. like 
I know that my brother Desmond went to college because I went to college. You know, so it's just like, for me, it's it it was the, because I didn't have the, you know, my mom, a great mom, but she, she was such a young mom that a lot of things we taught, like I said, we teach each other. And um, I, like I said, I went, I grew up with her. I went through a lot of things with my mom. And um, so for me, I grew up very young. I started working at 15. I can't remember the last time I asked my mom for something since I started working my own job. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this before I'd ask my mom for something I'd do for them. So um, it was for me, like perspective, understanding, mm-hmm. knowing who I am, who I want to be mm-hmm. and, you know, setting boundaries for people. And even now, like, as far as you say it, abusive relationship I've been there where it's not even where it was to physical but verbal and it's like even then you have to take control you have to recognizing my worth and and Mm -hmm. what you know what I'm worth is something that played a big part of it because it's like people can tell you you're pretty all day people can tell you you're this and that all day but if you don't feel like that Mm -hmm. you you know you don't feel if you don't feel those words and, and it's not even about feeling those words, but whenever you are at such a low point in your life where those people encouraging you doesn't even encourage you, you have to really take a step back and respect and love yourself before you can expect that from anybody else. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, I know I have a lot of young girls that look up for me. So that's where it goes back to me not doing anything for myself, but trying to be so selfless that I can use myself for young women. And, and, and I also look at everything as what is this trying to teach me? What is it trying to show me? Who will I become after this situation? And what was the situation supposed to teach me? And, you know, I beat, I used to beat myself up so much over my dad not being in my life, but I feel like I had to take a step back and look at it. And it's not that I even wish that he was there anymore. I look at it as the best thing my dad could have did for me was be in prison my whole life. Mm. You know, so it's looking at things, change of perspective. I wish he would have been there, of course, but him not being there made me so much stronger. Yeah. It made me so much wiser. It made me, it made me me. And, it, and it's, and it takes, trust me, it takes a lot of like telling myself that over and over again to really be okay with it because I could have never changed the circumstances. Mm. And that's something important to remember too, is like you couldn't have changed the circumstances. Like sometimes I know that I beat myself up. I'm like, well, I should have done this because then this would have changed or whatever. But it's like knowing that the circumstances wouldn't have changed. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the, it, it sounds like you're a very independent woman and you, you talked about having a job when you were 15. Do you feel like being independent has helped your confidence? Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. like <laughs> that would that's what makes me feel like like limitless. Like Yeah. You can't stop if 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 I have the will to get up and go get it, you're not gonna stop me from getting it. Yeah. You know, like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go do it. I'm gonna go do whatever I have to do. You know? Yeah. And that was part that's part of me. That is one thing like my best friend he'll tell 
anybody that he meets. Um, he's always like, that's one thing about Judea. If she says she's going to do it, she's going to do it. And I am, I'm, I'll, I get it done because that is one thing my mom taught me is, you know, growing up 15, her mom was in prison when I was born, you know? So it was just like, she didn't, she had, you know, we had our aunt Cheryl, but you know, it's nothing like your mom. Right. So it was just like, I watched her go get it. Like she's a go getter. My mom could, you know, she'll make, you know, she'll make it happen. And growing up watching someone that will make it happen really motivated, not even motivated me, but that's, it molded me. That's, that's all I know is to go get it. Like everything that I want to do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. What advice, since we're hitting our hour here, um, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give to your younger self? If you could give your younger self any advice. I would tell her to never let someone mute her. For so long, when I went through everything I went through, and it was distasteful, disheartening towards me, the things people said said to me, um, like when I quit rodeo, all of those comments, I never spoke up about them because there was someone in my ear telling me that it would be better for me not to speak up about it. I could still be on the team if I didn't post this or that, but I can't be negative. You know, I, I let people mute me. And that's the biggest thing I wish I would have never let someone mute me. And it'll never happen again. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've been writing down. I've been taking notes. Um, so I'm going to read Judea's uh, list for confidence here. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of these. Okay. okay. <laughs> have a support team. Self-love. Allow yourself time to heal after trauma. Find what you love. Take a break if you need it change your perspective, forgiveness, find something to relieve your stress, uh, find your freedom, eliminate shame, go to counseling, find your purpose, be the person you craved to have growing up, respect yourself, set boundaries, know your worth, independence, find the lesson from the situation, and don't allow anyone to mute your voice. I love that. Can you please send those, to, yeah, like, screenshot that page to yeah. me? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll yes. send those to you in an email because those are... Yes, I love those. Those are really yes. powerful. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate your time and chatting with oh. me. I could chat for you with you for hours <laughs> and hours. Um, you just yes. have so much wisdom in you. And mm-hmm. it's just, I find everything you're saying is just so interesting and it resonates with mm-hmm. me and I feel like it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate you giving me your time and your voice for this hour. Thank you so much for having me. And you said you're in California, correct? Yeah, I'm in LA. I have to come down. We have to go do lunch, do something. Yes, I would love that. I would love that too. Do you ever come to LA? Um, I, well, I can, I can fly anywhere, so I can come. You can make it happen. (laughs) Yes, I can come. I've been wanting to come to LA for a long time, so I will definitely make that happen soon. I would love that. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence. Whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through, leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again.